um, yeah, asked me a lot about myself. It was good to do that. I was hanging the washing out this morning when I was thinking, what am I going to, what, what, what is my most fondest memory? So yeah, it was really good. How bloody good are yarns, but specifically farm yarns where you can be a little bit more connected to the people that we get onto the Farms Wise podcast through farm yarns, diving into what they enjoy, how they're challenged, uh, what motivates them to some great book recommendations uh, off the back of that, joining the Farmers Book Club on Instagram. So if you've got any books uh, that you're reading at the moment, make sure to tag us on Instagram, Farmers Book Club, and we'll get that kicked off because as a farmer, you can read a book. It's not that weird, surely. Um, but this is a cracking farm yarn, so I'll just get into it. Alyssa, we had you on the Farmswise podcast, but now we've got you on for a farm yarn to find out a little bit about you. How are you going? Good. Yeah, I, I keep asking myself that question. How are we? I do like to check in and look, we're okay. We have a busy life between the businesses and children and my husband works, but um, I feel like our head is above water at the moment. Um, so yeah, we're great. Thank you, Jack. You must be going all right because we just spoke for 40 plus, maybe even 50 minutes on the Farnsworth podcast. Um, so you're going really well, you know your craft, but we want to know who you are, Alyssa, and how you get through your days. So how do you start it off? What's your morning routine? Well, I, I have got sort of two morning routines, the one I like to happen and the one that happens when I can't get to the first one. So um, generally I like to get up and exercise for 30 minutes in our shed. I, we have a young family, so getting to the gym, although we live in town, is just not possible. Exercise, meditate for 10 minutes, and then go into the house, back into the house. Kids are waking up, and I get started for the day. Um, now, that probably happens two out of seven days of the week, and the other days, um, I'm, again, up at 5.30, but I'm straight into work because I'm juggling family as well as the business. I just jump on my computer for 45 minutes. I touch up what what has happened overnight, what needs to be addressed, and then I spend some time, I log off and I spend some time with the children getting everyone ready. So um, I definitely know that the day on which I've exercised and meditated is a whole different day. Like things just manifest themselves for me that when I don't do it, it I really notice it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my morning routine. We thought the sphere of meditating and all of that jargon, what I thought it was before, was all a bit wishy-washy, but it actually, it does pay its dividends, doesn't it? It does. And to be honest, meditating is the hardest part of my day. Like I can have really hard conversations with, with banks, with clients. I can go for a 10K run, but to meditate for 10 minutes with my own thoughts is probably, or lack of trying to have lack of thoughts is really challenging for me. Conversation with yourself. For yourself, what, what's the memory you hold close to your heart? Uh, good question. Um. I probably didn't know it at the time, but looking back on where our like where we grew up and how we grew up as a family, I'm one of four girls and we grew up on a farm, on the family farm, and just the freedom that we had back then, you just didn't know you were never going to get that back. Motorbike riding, you know, down in the creeks and making cubby houses and rafts for the creek. I, I just look back on those days and, yes, there was challenges. Um, you know, there were family dynamics with my dad's family that we were aware of, but really we were too young to understand how that would all play out. And I just look back on those times and just think how lucky we were. Um, 
to to grow up where we grew up and have the level of freedom that we did. So, yeah, that's probably, I don't think I've ever really been asked that question before. Um, yeah, that's something that I hold really dear. I think like this episode, I'm just a farmer, as they say, um, but uh, like these questions allow people to reflect, e- even if it's only beneficial for yourself. Um, yeah anyone tunes in or whatnot it doesn't really matter but for you to open up and it allows others to open up as well Uh, I was Mm. just thinking it may be hard for you as a guest for me sort of targeting farm performance and then we go into these softer sort of questions um might be a bit hard to sort of switch hang on what's he want does he want high performing farmers or does he does he want a wishy-washy conversation anyway we'll we'll still get into it it's good I enjoy it Um, I enjoy it yeah Someone in your life that's been super influential for you. Who's that been for you? Ask me this question on the in writing, and I really, really struggled with this question, to be honest. Um, and it's a weird answer. Mrs. Cinnamon was my accounting teacher in grade eleven and twelve, and she was the one that said you should do agribusiness at uni. I didn't know about agribusiness. I didn't know that that was a thing. All I knew was that there was no family farm to go home to and that I was passionate about agriculture. And she was like, you can marry these two together. So I do feel like she was the person, and I never saw her again, so it's not like we have this amazing long-term relationship. I guess in my life, um, we grew up on a farm. My mum was a stay-at-home mum. My sister has travelled a similar path. Like, I don't have anyone that's done what I've done. Um, that I can sort of be like, you really helped shine the light for me. And that, I, I guess I do struggle with that a lot, is like, how am I meant to be doing this? Um, so I do sort of make lots of mistakes or things where I think we probably could could do it easier and do it better. Um, so most influential people in my life at the moment would have to be my husband and my children um, because without them, like they're the ones that make me get out of bed in the morning and they're the reason I go to bed at night because I know they're going to wake me up early again in the morning. So. Certainly they're probably the most influential people in my life at the moment and they're probably the things that I look at relationships and I think about um, the relationships I have with my family and I think what sort of relationship do I want to have with my children when they're 40? And I'm a big believer in you reap what you sow. So if you sow, what you, you will harvest what you sow and if you don't sow anything now and if I'm all tied up in my business and what's going on, then I'm going to lose that relationship down the track. So I'm very mindful of that. A bit of the relationship, I hope the podcast can sort of be the stimulus for for farmers to take some time away as well. Once they've got their farm yep. operating, um, not having that 24-7 sort of attitude all the time. Um, it's not it healthy. It's not healthy for those around you. Mm-mm. Both men and women um, are doing that. And we, yeah, it's, it actually leads into the next question quite well, a bit of a myth within the industry that working 24 seven is um, important. I think not, mm. but what's a myth you'd like to debunk about your industry in finance? Myth I'd like to debunk about finance, that it has to be hard. Yeah. It doesn't have to be hard. It can be easy. You just need to let someone in on your team, whether that's your accountant or your broker or just, it doesn't have to be hard. Um, and you don't have to do it alone. Money is a really, finance is a really taboo subject. You know, we don't talk about um, how much we earn and that's fine. We don't need to, but we have these really taboo subjects, yet we're expected to know how to do it. And sometimes you just don't know how to do it. As you said, I think previously, we're not taught this stuff in schools. And maybe this stuff we are taught in schools, we're not listening anyway, because we think it's never going to happen to us or we'll be fine. 
but I do think that there is that um, you don't have to do it alone. Um, there are people out there that can help you to get through that, um, whatever it is you're going through to make it better and easier. Yeah, it's good. Like we're in the sheep livestock stud and commercial. We sort of want to be the experts in that and then rely on our advisors around the farm to get those running at 100% as well, rather than having them running at 60, 70% or even less, 40%. And you can't devote the time to it as well. To Yep, spot on. Yep. Get the most out of it anyway. But what do you think, what sort of sacrifices have you made to be successful? You went through a pretty long banking career and now you wound up to running your own show. What sacrifices did it take to start to run your own show, do you think? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. So um, uh, I, when I was working for a major bank, I was working three days a week and getting ready for work one morning, I had two sort of toddlers that were getting, no, I had two kindy age kids, were getting them ready for kindy and I had a toddler. And my toddler um, pulled down a hot cup of tea all over her head, hit her on the head and it splashed all down her face. Um, and we spent 10 days in the Brisbane hospital and she's totally fine. She's six now and you wouldn't know the difference. But I got back from that meet, that that 10 days away and I resigned from my job fairly quickly afterwards. I realised that I was sacrificing a lot to work for a bank that I wasn't getting a lot back from. We were paid incredibly well, but did I get any feeling of like meaning and value of what I was doing? And I was sacrificing this time with my children. And fast forward a few years, um, we ended up going and setting up this business, Golden Triangle, and it has been um, challenging but so rewarding. Um, but I think the sacrifices that I've made have been family for sure. I could have been a stay-at-home mum and have been there for my children a lot more. Would I have been a good mother to do that? I'm not sure. Um, but that is probably when we look at sacrifices, that is certainly one of them that I have made to, to get to this point. Um, and I do, they are, that it's interesting now I have conversations, the kids, I'll get off the phone and the kids will have heard me talking and they're like, oh, mum, so if you've got a friend, if you've got someone buying another property, oh, right, you know, and we're having these conversations. My oldest is 10 and she's like, so who do you talk to when you and dad need help with your money? I was like, well, that's a really good question because I don't know who we talk to. Um, but, yeah, so they're actually listening to me have these conversations and understanding that, I guess when I was growing up, I never saw a lady that was a boss. I never saw a woman have her own business or very rarely. And I'm showing them that that's normal and that whilst I've made lots of sacrifices, I think it will pay off in the long run. A very sort of pivotal moment there. I think everyone sort of has a pivotal moment. Um, and especially as mothers, parents, those sacrifices, you, you, you find them out quite soon within that don't you especially trying to juggle the ability to work grow your own career but also raise the children as well i i have no idea speaking about this right now um but that's just sort of how i'm seeing it coming out with you absolutely there is always a level of mother's guilt that um you don't understand unless you're a mother and even when you're with them you still feel guilty it's just this stupid crazy thing um but you've also got we're only given one life and this isn't a dress rehearsal. And so it is a balancing act of being able to be there when you need to be, but also being and, and being fully present. And I've set up some barriers around my business now. I no longer have my emails on my phone. I won't answer a call around the children unless I know who's calling and I sort of can understand how long that call might take. Um, 
so that when I am with my children and my family, I am much more mindful of being actually with them. And then when I'm at work, I'm very focused on I'm here. I'm here between might be from 8.30 to 2.30 today because I'm doing school pickup and drop off and I just smash out my work. You know, I don't go for a coffee with a friend or duck down the street to get the groceries. It's all about getting the work done. So, um, yeah, it, it, is, it is always a challenge that never disappears. I mean, in the right frame of mind, you just need to smash out like whatever that is, frame of mind to be with your kids, frame of mind to yeah. put out all this social content or something. It's important that you can do that as well. That's a good yeah. one. Um, the next one was, how did you come up with Golden Triangle? Are you looking to open a third office? <laughs> um, if my husband's listening to this, no, we are not looking to open any more offices. He would kill me. I mean, Tom is eight hours away. So it's quite a, you know, it's a logistical nightmare. Um. I've always said that we will open more offices in the right place if we find the right people. Um, this is going to be a growing industry, finance broking for rural people, and therefore, and it's all about based on relationships. If you can't have a good relationship with someone, then you're not going to be able to do business with them. So if I can find the right people, I'll absolutely look at opening more offices. Um, but I'm also having opened one office. I know that it's not all roses and sunshine. You know, there's some difficulties in opening other offices in other locations and I would definitely be going to my next one with my eyes obviously more wide open and have better skills and understand what's ahead of us for the next office. Um, so, yeah, Golden Triangle is the, the actual brand name itself is the region in which, which I grew up in in northern New South Wales. We grew up in the Golden Triangle of farming. It's sort of around that um, North Star, Yetman district there, and we grew up smack bang in the middle of that so um and it also people it represents the golden triangle between the bank the client and ourselves and that um and that triangle to try and make the the deal work as best as possible for our clients beautiful i, I like that when there's a bit of meaning behind the name it's always yeah good. what's hot and what's not within finance at the moment what are you liking what are you uh look it's definitely getting harder to do cash flows at the moment um, we had clients during COVID that were on interest rates of 1.8%. They're now on six and a half. Their interest rate, and we're talking, you know, if we're talking $10 million worth of debt, their interest bills have tripled. So that's uh, that's not hot. That's gross. Um, and at the same time, the cattle market's dropping off just as quickly. So that's, that's ordinary. Um, what I think we may, what I'm hoping will be, at the moment, up here in, in central Queensland anyway, auctions for the last four years have just been so hot. If you're going to sell a place, you generally take it to auction because the market has been so hot. And I'm pretty sure that's fairly prevalent all over um, the Eastern Australia. Um, what I'm hoping, there's a lot of work involved for, for banks and for clients. They're going, you know, we've got solicitors reviewing contracts and then they're not buying a place. And it's happening time and time again. And they're spending all this money to get all these bank approvals done to not be successful. So what I'm hoping is that there might be a bit of a, cooling of the market where people actually organize a contract look we're not going to take this to auction we'll sell it to our neighbor here's a contract and you've got some time and you know that the client is going to be successful that's what I would like to see more of and I'm hoping that will come to the fore as people perhaps don't take properties to auction as regularly as that they have been because there may not be as many buyers as what they were six months ago good little wrap up my partner's Spanish and in Spain if you have a farm you have to, by law, offer your neighbours first dig. At True. The, um, I, it's quite a good role, but I love that. These are quite little plots as well. Um, yeah. So whether or not that would work in Australian landscape, first offers would be great, of course. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a unique way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but today is actually Friday on this recording. Tonight, are we staying in or going out? We, we are staying in every day of the week. Like uh, my daughter is, she's 10 and she's going to her first outing. Um, and so, yeah, I will take her out for that. But absolutely, I'm definitely a staying in on a Friday night, book a red wine and um, my husband will have the footy on in the background. So that that will do me. What do you, when you talk about footy up there, is it NRL? Rugby league generally. So we're just coming to the finals um, of rugby league. And I was in Brisbane earlier this week. So I know Melbourne Storm are playing Brisbane because um, it was the, the whole city was lit up with about it. So, um, yeah, that's what we that's what we generally follow up here. Beautiful. And what's something you think we need to be speaking about as an industry? What's going under, flying under the radar at the moment for you? Hmm, good question. What's flying under the radar at the moment? It's a trend towards what the media is telling us, but... What aren't they telling us? I would probably say, um, hmm, what do I think we need to be talking about more? I think there is lots of mental health issues in the bush, but I think we're already talking about those. I think what, what the people that want to talk about them are talking about them. Um, I think we need to be talking more around succession planning. I think that the older, this, this is twofold. The older generation need to know that if you're not talking to the younger generation about succession planning, I have these metrics. If, you're, if your children are over 35, they've got their own family and they're working in the family business and they've got no idea of what their future looks like, then they are probably suffering from some level of mental health issue because their wife or their significant other is saying to them, what's going on? Are we doing all this work and there's nothing for us? Are we going to have to pay out some siblings and we're going to end up with all this debt? Like they've got so much angst and they're too frightened to talk about it with their parents for whatever reason. So they are under a huge amount of pressure. And I also say to the younger generation, if you are dragging your parents or parents-in-law to the succession table and they don't want to be there, they it will not work because they are the ones that hold the keys to the kingdom and they will find any reason to stall or to put it off because they're not ready. So it really has to be, it, it start the, the, the older generation need to start the conversation and even if the conversation is, we know we have to do something about succession planning but we don't know what to do. You need to acknowledge that there is this pain that the next generation is feeling um, because that is a huge issue for young families in the bush is what are we doing here? What's in this for us? Should we stay? Should we go? If we go, can we come back or are we going to get cut off? And if we stay, am I going to be 60 before I get the checkbook? So, yeah. It's a really hard one to juggle. And I've dealt with a lot of conversations behind closed doors of people who may be successful, but um, behind closed doors, it sort of all fell apart. And it's a bit sad, actually, um, communication yep. within families that, I don't know, there's just something, maybe with Aussie farming families that, we're just not doing um, and it's a bit of a trend as well because we're just not opening up um, as a community as well. Um, and you played that in with the mental health piece as well. I was going to ask you how you take time to look after yourself because the the report um, I was pulled onto the news to talk about because it was pretty shocking. Um, I think it was 40% of people had thought about self-harm or taking their life. Um, you mentioned meditating before. Did you want to mention how you actually got into meditating or like what's your, do you have an app? How do you actually? Uh, I actually listened to a woman by the name of Gabby Bernstein. She's an American woman. She's very woo-woo. And 12 months ago, I would have said not a chance. 
I actually went and bought a ticket when I was in Brisbane and went and saw her when she came out um, earlier this year. And she's very much uh, into her spiritual self. And um, so I've dipped my toe in there and I just YouTube Gabby Bernstein. It's a 15 minute meditation and I, I love it. Um, so that's, that's what I do. Um, and yes, that, that is definitely um, a great way of being into self-care. I also find self-care to be a little bit different. I find self-care is having my meal plan done for the week ahead. I know this sounds stupid, but, you know, knowing where stuff is up to because if we get to the middle of the week because we're so busy in our family like everyone is and we don't have a meal plan and I don't have us organised for dinner, we're eating crap every night. Um, so it's all those small things. I make sure my ironing's dropped off on Saturdays, it's picked up on Sundays. So I've got the ironing ready, like just so my week runs smoothly. So I'm not yelling at my children. I'm not stressed out of my head. Um, and just starting that day, you know, half an hour before everyone else, just to get ready. Um, and writing out like this afternoon, I will write out before I finish, I will write out the first things I need to be doing on Monday, like the most important things that need to be done on Monday. And at the end of Monday, I'll write out what needs to be done for Tuesday. So when I get to work, I can just be like, there's my list. That's what's important. Don't get lost in the weeds. That's what you've got to get done. So my self-care is probably a little bit different. What I call self-care, um, that to me really helps our week is having it organized, planned, set up. I find once I get my process sort of done, like the we do a bit of meal prepping um, here at home, but when it doesn't, it's a little bit chaotic of what goes mm. on. It's just as every man fend for themselves for what's for dinner. Oh, there's lots of toast going on. We do a lot of toast. Yeah. We're running out of eggs here, but that's all good. What are you, what are you most excited about for the rep? I probably started this question off um, early in 23, but what are you most excited about 24? Then we'll start kicking that off. Um. The opportunities, like we've got so many opportunities in front of us as an industry and in ag, and I just think if I can get the right people in the right places, then life will just open up even more for us, both business-wise and as a family next year. We've got some travel plans booked for 2024. We've never really travelled with our children before other than, you know, the obligatory family trips um, down to see both both sides of the family. But we're actually thinking, could we do a small overseas trip to Fiji or something really nice like that? So that's kind of, yeah, there's lots of business opportunities, but there's also going to be some really great home times as well that I'm really excited about for next year. Fiji sounds terrible, of course. <laughs> and to get this done without putting meal prepping in line again, what's your favourite productivity hack? What do you do or what don't yeah. you do? Um, productivity hack is that starting a list, like I usually do it the day before, or the morning, that very first morning, what's my priorities for the day? And just getting all of it out of my head and onto a piece of paper. And then I just know I'm going from there to there to there. And I just bang it off in terms of productivity. So that it to me is a, a game changer. Um, yep, that would be my number one. That's a good one. I use the tick boxes on our on an iPhone's notes. I think that's pretty yep. good. I don't have to pay for it. Just Allows me and you feel a bit satisfied when you... Oh, the satisfaction. But what about when you do something that's not on the list? I write mine on and just so I can scratch it off. I'm like, yeah, yes, I did that. I've done that too. It's funny, like this conversation, you never know what pe other people do until you're like, oh, I, actually, I, I do that too. I never yeah. knew that others do that out there. So I think that's pretty important. But for you, Alyssa, if you weren't doing what you're doing, what would you be doing? Um. If I hadn't have chosen to, you know, at the end of uni to go the way I went, which was to North Queensland and, you know, went on to meet my husband and all of that, 
I would have gone to New York. Um, I always think my parallel life, I'm living in New York in finance, in Wall Street. Um, I'm wearing some sort of suit with high heels. Um, that's my sort of parallel universe, I think, of where I would have gone um, had life not led me down this path. Quite cool um, alias that you've made yeah. there, but also the Wall Street of Emerald. Is it, it's pretty big too, isn't it? Yeah, so similar, very similar. Exactly. And probably my favourite question, I started Farmers Book Club on Instagram. It's got probably 62 followers now, which is really taking off. Do you have any book recommendations to add to the list? Uh, Atomic, Atomic Habits by James Clear is probably one of my favourites and The Richest Man in Babylon. It's the smallest, skinniest little book, but I read that probably just after I finished uni and I recommend that all young people get that. Like it's just... It's just an easy read and um, it makes lots of sense. And if you can just follow that and you do nothing else about your finances, you're going to be okay. I bought it. It's on my shelf and um, I'll put a few quotes up once I start to read it and divulge. Yeah. That's a good day. Well, Alyssa, thanks so much for coming on to Farm Yarns and having a cracking yarn with myself. It was great to open up. Jack, thank you so much for having me. Um, your questions were very, um, yeah, asked me a lot about myself. It was good to do that. I was hanging the washing out this morning when I was thinking, what am I going to, what, what, what is my most fondest memory? So yeah, it was really good. Now you can say you've been on two podcasts. If you yeah. <laughs> two for one. Really, I'll cut it there. Thanks, Alyssa. That was really good.